Welcome to the CyberLife Podcast, where we help you learn cybersecurity best practices, give you a weekly update on the latest cybersecurity news, and share valuable career advice. Hey everyone, it's Ken. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with Tariq Azmi. So Tariq's been in the tech industry for about 20 years now. He's worked in different roles. He started out in the help desk, uh, like many of us. He's worked as a project manager. He's done uh, software Q&A. He's worked as a systems engineer, a network engineer. He's done security, security engineering. And now he's currently focused as a compliance officer, and he focuses primarily on CMMC and HIPAA compliance. He's also an adjunct professor for a university here in the U.S. And in today's episode, Tariq is going to be talking about security culture, how you can break down some of the silos in your organization, as well as a little bit of discussion around cybersecurity careers and some of his advice around things like mentorship, et cetera. So without further ado, let's dive right in and speak with Tariq. So thanks again for coming on the show today, uh, Tariq. Really appreciate it. So for the audience, we're going to be talking about a number of different things. We'll talk about things like security culture, so building a, a proper security culture, breaking down silos between business units or quote-unquote teams in an organization, cyber careers, mentorship, and just kind of, we're just kind of going across the board in today's episode because Tariq has a lot of wisdom to share with you. So Tariq, I just want to dive in really on the security culture side here and and just kind of answer the question, like, why is having a strong security culture so important for organizations today? It really, if you think about it, you know, when a, a business, when they're planning things out, uh, and if you ask a question, uh, list out your top three risk or five risk, uh, security doesn't come in those at all. And even though we have as many data breaches, security uh, breaches, uh, you know, disruptions uh, in in uh, performing the uh, tasks businesses do, uh, they I think a lot of the business owners don't correlate because it's still a cyber. And uh, whereas a break-in uh, and a physical security, it's very... Uh, um, easy to uh, connect, I think, and, and associate with. But cyber, I think a lot of people are still wrapping their head around. Uh, and to really build that in an organization, and it should be really part of that conversation about risk uh, and if security risk is one of the top ones. It should be one of the top ones. And I was reading an IBM report recently uh, the 2023 one, and it narrowed down as if a business has a disruption. Again, I'm not referring to a ransomware attack or anything. This is just a disruption, be it power outage, internet not being available, uh, somebody's server going down, you know, small disruptions. It could cost a company, a small company that has 10 users or so, um, anywhere between three to $500 a minute. A company that is 100, 200 employees, that numbers go astronomical, I mean, like ten to $20,000 a minute, because we don't consider the stoppage of work, everybody still getting paid, everybody's having to make up the time, the overtime, things of that nature. And it really, when you have that kind of a damage, it should be part of that conversation piece. And building that uh, culture is really important in many ways. 
That's a lot of good info. And I think we're seeing, you know, that you mentioned the, the statistics with the recent MGM. So when we're filming this, it's obviously around the time of the MGM attack. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might be 10 years from now, who knows? But um, there, I, th I think I had seen it uh, where they're estimating or they at least reported, I think, to the SEC around 100 million in, uh, in you know, uh, awesome. material, material impact. Yeah. So very, very interesting. And I think you hit another key point early on in what you were saying is, it's easy to connect to physical, right? Like if someone tries to break in my house, like I understand security, right? Like I get better locks and get security, you know, dog security right. system. Definitely. I'm in Texas, so I get guns, you know, all that stuff. But I think even for the general public, this whole cybersecurity concept for many of them, even though they understand it, right? Because they're getting the ed education in, in school and, and their, or their workplace or whatever, but still making that connection is really hard for people. They It's kind of like, oh, this phantom thing out here. So I think you brought up a good point there is, is even in an organization where there's security awareness training and all these things going on, people still have trouble making that connection to the real world of like why it's important to them. So that kind of is a good segue, I think, into asking you, Tariq, like what are some tips for organizations to help them build a, a very robust security culture? I think the it really starts with understanding it. And I, I may somewhat uh, segue into one of the comments you had made earlier about silos. And, and let me kind of give you a step back. And I've been in IT um, about almost 20 years, a little over 20 years. This is what I've seen, and I'll walk back from it uh, and, and share that information as to what can be done. Um, for the last 20 years, I've seen IT professionals themselves working in a silo. And what that did is created this um, culture and the phrase that everybody uses, no matter what position you hold in a company, it's an IT thing. Don't ask me, it's an IT thing. Because in many ways, the IT professionals were the, um, the wizard that holds the keys to the kingdom. And I don't know anything. And that really, I think, has now come back um, in a bad way, and we we have to really shoulder that burden at this point because it was a self-fulfilling prophecy that IT is different, IT is new. I am the educated one in IT. I know what I'm doing. Let me take care of it for you instead. Now, here's the tips part about how to build it is first thing I would really highly recommend anybody getting in the IT field, if they've been in IT for 20 years, 30 years, doesn't matter, communications, communication class. Because what that does is this is where you build a culture. This is where you make your organization resilient is instead of saying, let me take care of it. And, or if you don't understand it, really find those people in other departments who show a little bit of interest of how we handle things in IT and make them your um, really um, your lieutenant, so to speak. Let's say if somebody who works in finance, somebody who's working in engineering, uh, somebody who's in HR has a little bit savvy of tech, make them your partner, educate them saying, hey, we are using this tool and this is how it helps us. And let me know, does it disrupt your flow of work? Do we need to have a different process? So you're really building partners in, in throughout the company. If you're in a manufacturing place, you know, the shop floor, somebody who might be a little bit smart, 
more than anything, educate them based on what they do and the training in some ways of how we do things, what we do things. So it's really a fine line of uh, making them um, responsible, making them understand, and they become your cheerleaders for the whole department that they're in. Now, with that in mind, you're, in, in other ways, building an army and having your lieutenants in place. And then you're arming your army, so to speak, with all the knowledge, the tools that they can use and be aware of. And that will slowly spread that burden that you have of taking care of the organization. It could be a million dollar organization, a billion dollar organization. Now you have an army, a lot of supporters that you have educated and constantly have these, um, if an accounting department is having a um, luncheon, go there, speak about it. Uh, every now and then, you know, have a small tip or funny information or posters that you could put out there about IT related. Make it approachable. More than anything, make IT approachable to others. And that really breaks down the barriers. And, and, and those are the really small steps that you can take that will increase that. I think people are tired of change your password, make your password complex kind of training. Um, now everybody's in that phrase, oh, I know, I know, I don't need to click on the link, right? That is good training, but you really want them to understand and help them get to where they need to so they don't get frustrated. They don't think of it as it's an IT thing. Uh, make them think it's part of your job, part of your day-to-day um, -day routine. Everybody comes into work, you know, turns on the light, gets on the internet, starts working. So just like we're turning on the light, the internet works the same way, the computer's working the same way, their access is working the same way. So they need to be educated. It's simple as, I mean, again, I'm trying to uh, relate to small things that we can think of. If the light doesn't turn on, they go look at where the breaker box is. So with that in mind, if they're, when you're working on the computer, if they don't access it, they can't access it. Have you even taught them, hey, look at this little icon. Maybe you don't have internet. Simple things, I think those things go a long way. And this is where you're teaching them, helping them, and also working with your really coworkers in a way of being a big team. That's I think, goes a long way in building that culture. Uh, helping them become aware and not just focus on small uh, other things, uh, heavier technical things, which may be hard to process. It's interesting you mentioned the password stuff because we're we're filming this during uh, Security Awareness Month, which for those that don't know, that's the month of October. Right. And literally every post I see from every cybersecurity professional is about <laughs> passwords and you know all the all the generic stuff. But like their yeah. audiences are all cyber professionals, so everyone already knows what you're yeah. sharing. Which not I say that with all the love in the world, but I think you bring up a good point. Our user base, right, end users, and general stakeholders across an organization, like they're just exhausted on change your password. Don't click yeah. the like. They've gone through so much security awareness training already that 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 you have to find. As Tariq is saying, you have to find how can you actually relate stuff to them, make it simple to digest. I mean, think about it. Like, if I was a professor of some, I mean, I have 
been a professor, I guess. So this isn't a good example, but if I was a professor of some, if I was like a rocket scientist and I just walk up to you on the street and I start blah, 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 all these technical terms, yeah. like, you're going to totally zone me out and be like, this dude's a loser. Right. But if I come in and like, Hey, let me teach you about rocket science. And here's how it relates to the spaghetti that you're eating at the restaurant. Like now you're like, Oh, and you make that connection. Same thing with cyber. Like if I, um, when I, back when I had the television show, I, there's an episode and it's on YouTube for anyone that wants to go watch it, but I, a threat intelligence, I taught threat intelligence with candy mm -hmm. and that's an episode, you know, where my spouse is on and stuff. So like sure. the more you can relate it in your organization, like and relate it to things they care about, you don't, you don't have to necessarily go up to someone and like, Oh, let me tell you how, you know, a, a bad password relates to candy. They're going to be like, well, yeah. Yeah, so, but like, you know, related to their day-to-day -day stuff. Sure, definitely. And, and to, as what Tariq's saying, you know, a lot of, a lot of that relates to, you know, just a communication, right? You yeah. know, talking to people and learning about what they have to do. So we've talked about people a little bit. So really, let's just dive into that human element a little more. And so some people, well, a lot of people say humans are the weakest link. You know, we call them Larry to the OSI model. Uh, some people say there's a strongest link in an organization and some people say both. So can you just, Tariq, do you mind just kind of sharing your insight into what weakest or strongest link might mean around the human element. Right. And I think it, it comes back to what I mentioned earlier, right? We pro IT professionals work with this in a silo and presented themselves as I know everything. And we have not been a good um, advocates in, in educating. And that conversation of I, I this is technical, I know what I'm doing. Let me just take care of it for you. And let's move on. I'm not going to spend the time to work with you to explain and understand. What it has really created is even the CEOs are in that uh, mode of it's an IT thing. Let's move on. What this, I think, in many ways created is the not being aware. And it, it outside of the IT, I really feel like the other members of the organization who are smart people. I mean, they're smart. I mean, somebody who's a CEO, CFO, uh, I mean, accountants, they have to go through looking at the tax codes that change every year. Uh, engineering departments, they're figuring out things that they're making and, and designing parts, making parts that go into the rocket. They're smart people. And to really put them at a distance by saying, uh, you don't understand this, I think it's an insult to their intelligence. I think that's where you we have really created our own weakest link in some ways. Because if it's somebody who's smart enough, who goes to the engineering school or a quality person or a CFO accountant, I mean, you name it, all these people have gone through training. Even HR has a yearly credits they have to learn, right? Something new, something different. So everybody around in our organization are smart people. They're not dumb. And we not educating and making them our own um, helpers and uh, equals, I think has made it as a weakest link. The I think humans are and can be the strongest link. It's just the approach we need to have. And in some ways, it goes back to the idea of educating, making them uh, relatable of what you're doing, how you're doing things. And that really will make them your strongest link in many ways. Uh, we not being able to connect, we not being able to educate, not being able to make it relatable, I think has caused really where IT professionals are working 12 hours, 
being on call, all those things. Uh, in many ways, we have done it to ourselves. So turning your workforce, everybody, uh, you're making them stronger is the way to do it. And they are capable of it. Uh, just underestimating their intelligence, I think, is really a bad way to start. But if you are build that partnerships and educate them, I think they will be your strongest link. They will make it. Uh, it's no different than, you know, way back when, before OSHA was implemented, safety was never a concern. Uh, safety was one of those things where people lost their fingers, arms, legs. Um, but until we educated as to why we're doing this, really that whole workforce became stronger. <clears throat> They're able to put out quality car uh, parts and everything else. You know, the simple things, even at the hospitals, at manufacturing companies, when safety was not a big thing, now it is. It's part of their culture. And that's how everybody became stronger as a team in implementing things, keeping an eye on each other. And that's really, I think, I uh, you know, uh, we have really mislabeled and underestimated our coworkers, the non-IT people. I think they're smart enough and let's make them our team, part of the team. And really the way to educate, uh, to make them strong is by education and, and making them um, be aware of what it is. Because the threats are so new every day, something new is happening. You don't need to bore them with technical stuff, but just give them, share the knowledge. And that's really how you, you would make them stronger and they'll be aware of what's around them. That, I think that's, there's a lot of work to be done in this part, I think, how to take somebody who believes uh, this idea that, hey, it's IT thing I don't understand, to saying, no, you're smart enough. Um, let me help you. Let me walk you through. Let me make it relatable. Nothing that, that really will help build a strong organization and resilient in many ways and agile, because if you're able to relate, educate, and then make them aware, hey, keep an eye on these things. I've seen this threats coming out and they'll be aware of it. It's, it's sometimes too late. We may wait until your monthly meeting or whatever it is, but instead make a simple announcement. Don't overwhelm it. And everybody will look out for you and become your strongest um, partners. So, Tariq, I want to pivot a little bit and, and go to towards the cyber career conversation. So, I mean, obviously, the cybersecurity world constantly evolves. I mean, as you as you just mentioned, you know, right, constant uh, new threats all the time. So, if if someone out there is is looking at a career like what what would you say is regardless of the career path they go down come for and for those that are listening are like isn't cybersecurity like a single career? No, there's a ton of I've got a ton of free YouTube videos. On. I think it's, I think I got like 27 videos on different careers you can do. Um, and that's just touching the surface, but anyways, yeah. shameless plug there, but back to the the question, what would you say in your opinion, Tariq is, is like the, the number one skill for a cybersecurity professional to possess? Well, I guess if I could make it too, <laughs> but um, well, number one personally, I think is communication. For me, I, I put communication on it because you can make things easier for yourself, easier for others. Uh, it doesn't matter. See, technical knowledge you can gain, but being able to relate and have a communication with other people and make it relatable, that goes a long way. Simplifying things where people can understand, that is gold in many ways uh, because people are already frustrated about different things, but you can make it relatable. So really communication 
uh, I think is personally for me a top a priority. You have to be good at communications. You have to take some communications le- uh, lessons on how to speak, how to uh, pivot and adjust uh, based on the other person's personality if they're not able to understand. So communication by far, uh, that's kind of where I um, say start there. You can learn the technical skills, you can educate yourself, but communication by far is a top one. Uh, I mean, I think right after that is uh, being agile is my second I think skill that somebody needs to have being able to adjust your personality, adjust your based on the situation. So, but again, I'll come back to as communication as one of the biggest ones. So for those out there that are, that are considering, you know, regardless of what the path they decide to go down is, but just a general, in general, a career in cybersecurity, what, what's like, like if you had to, if you were going to mentor someone and you're like, all right, here's kind of the, the roadmap. Like what? What are some of the the steps that someone should take? And and so I'm going to take the first step away from you here and make okay. it a little more difficult. First sure. step is obviously deciding what freaking cybersecurity career you want to do, sure. um, and that's actually the most challenging. So that aside, let's say they decided, okay, this is you know this is what I want to do as my cybersecurity career path. Like what are what what steps would you recommend that they do? And and kind of and and I guess with the steps. I'm going to say what actionable steps, like if you were mentoring someone and, and they're like, look, Tariq, I want to get a job before the end of the year, or at least position myself to get a job. And, um, and you could pick whichever career you want to talk about, Tariq, because, you know, whatever, whatever you feel you, you've got the, the best insight into. <laughs> sure. um, but, but like, what, what, what would the steps be that you would give them to, to put them in the best position to have a job or at least have interviews by the end of this year? So the two things that I would first recommend now that they have figured out what field they want to go in, be it uh, if they want to be a pen tester or SOC analyst, you know, uh, whichever, right? I mean, they've already figured out they're taking the training. As of, So let's say next three months, for example, they need to land an interview. I would start recommending is first go out and network. And network with local companies, uh, if there's events, technical events, non-technical events, go out and have conversations. In some ways, I would recommend going to more of the technical events because you meet other professionals. You meet people who are working in the field and approach to them as, hey, I'm I'm new to this. I'm trying to understand. I don't need your secrets for the company, but help me understand if I was to, what is my steps? Have that very open conversation saying, if your company, even though it doesn't have a position, how, how would I? Right. So what that does is the IT people will remember, oh, that kid, the guy who was curious, you know, um, that really helps network with the right people. If you're going to a networking event that is not the decision makers, a lot of times you, you won't even make an impression um, with the common uh, general public as to this guy is trying to get an IT career because they may again, because we still have that mindset of, just IT people, security people are different, right? So you want to network with the people within your field, whichever that is, and start approaching them. Obviously, LinkedIn has evolved in the last 10 years. That's a great place. The Some of the things that I currently do, I mean, I teach as well uh, at a local uh, college. And things I tell them is when you're getting active on LinkedIn, find the people that have been in the field just become friends and post 
what you have experienced with your journey that has, you have done so far, and then ask the question at the end, what should be my next step? And all of a sudden, a lot of the IT professionals that have been in the field who are active on LinkedIn will provide the tips. And you're now putting yourself out there of, hey, I know this much. I'm trying to learn this much, right? When you ask that question, I want to do this. The other people will really jump in and help the ones that are active. If not, somebody will connect you to somebody else. So the, so really networking with the right people in the right group and then doing the same thing. Uh, LinkedIn is great. I am a big proponent on LinkedIn. Um, I don't do as much on the other social media except only LinkedIn, but LinkedIn has been great because you connect with the professionals. And then you're really after that is trying to figure out um, what companies uh, do you feel like would be a good fit? And this is one thing that I tell my students as well is don't be too fast to make a judgment uh, on uh, taking a job. Make sure you you somewhat focus on the culture of that company when, when the time comes, because it could be a stressful environment and it might make you hate that career until uh, take just a small a piece of that uh, you know, interview, if you do get it, understand what their culture is like and make sure you're a good fit for it. If not, that could really ruin your experience of getting into the field and you'll hate it for everything that you worked at. So coming back to really summarizing, network with the right people, go to the technical conferences, technical um, networking events, and connect with as many people as you can on LinkedIn and focus on what what trajectory you want to go at and ask questions uh, and and ask for guidance for somebody who's more experienced tag people and um, if you're already friends or if you're not and it gets the attention um, i think that's that would be my really two very narrow focus tips is uh, network with the right people uh, in person and online so I'm going to add to the uh, the interview tip that Tariq uh, yeah. just gave you on on asking you know about security culture and before you ask a question around the the culture or not security culture but the culture of the organization um, before you ask that question though when they when you're in the interview and they say hey do you have any questions for us the absolute number one question you should ask is this what I'm about to give you because this is going to impress them and it's also going to give you insight into exactly what they're looking for for the position so here here it goes listeners and uh, Tariq. Take notes if you want to. Sure. Anyways, absolutely. Um, uh, the, the number one question is what seems to be missing from the candidates you've interviewed so far? And what that's going to do is they're going to tell you like exactly what, what they're looking for, right? What's been missing from everybody else. And so if you, if you don't have what they're saying is missing, but then you can, you could still in your mind for the next round of interviews and, and you can ask this with, with a hire manager, but typically you'd ask it in the phone screen, you know, whenever they're, right. whenever they ask you, do you have more questions for us? And you can ask it in multiple stages of the interview and get the insight from all these people of what's going on in their mind. Um, so that's just a quick interview tip. We're no. not going to dive right. on that too much because we no, that's a great, great tip. I think it helps person evaluate themselves and, and see um, if they fit there or not, if they are meeting the needs. That's a great tip. I agree. Exactly. And, and if you have, if they're like, if if the answer is like yeah we're nobody has the experience we're looking for you immediately in your head could start saying okay well let me how can i talk about the projects and things i've done 
to, you know, and so, so the way I would pitch it is like, yeah, you know, I, I understand that, you know, I don't even have the five years of experience you're looking for, but I have, you know, X, Y, and Z that I've done, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's a human psychology thing too. And so I, I know we're going off a little bit uh, nope, on, that's a, great on a tangent though, here, yeah. but, but the word, but the word, because those two words should absolutely be used in your job interview when you're responding. Yeah. So if they're talking about, yeah. you don't have something, you say, yeah, I don't have that. Like acknowledge it, you know? Yes, I don't but, have that, but, and then you throw some things at them that you just, because you, well, yeah. people are going to forget about everything before the, but. Once yep. you say, but they forget about that. Now yep. the word, because this has actually been, I forget the books I've read on it. I think influencers, one of those by um, that Robert uh, killed on a guy, but anyways, um, the word, because is, is a, is a rationalization in people's heads subconsciously. So if we use an example of making photocopies, I know people don't copy things so much any these days, but if you, if you go to FedEx and you make a photocopy and you want to cut in line, you say, Hey, can I cut you in line to make these photocopies? Because I need to, you know, I need to go teach a class, right? I need to, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It really could just be because I need to make copies. And right. people, most of the time, will let you cut them in line. I've used it before, by the way, at FedEx. It does work, yeah. um, unless someone's a total jerk. And so the word sure. because can also be used in your job interview. You could say, like, especially in negotiating compensation, you know, I appreciate the offer. Let's say you're trying to get, you know, 120. They offer you 110. And, you know, their your budget's up to 130 or something. Sure. You know, I, I appreciate I appreciate the offer. Uh, but I feel I should, you know, I feel we should get closer to the 120 base range because, you know, and you yep. list, you know, some of the skills, whatever, you know, it's just, but I want to throw that in real quick. Let's get back to what we're. No, I'll, I'll just uh, one quick part on, on what you just said with the, but, and the, because it's really, you're, you're having a conversation and giving them the why is what you're really going after. It's really explaining. And a lot of times we don't do a good job of it is why, why you're asking for it, why we need to do this, right? The minute you explain that why, you have a buy-in, where it's an easier buy-in as soon as you do the explain of the why, why do I need this? Uh, why you should hire me, right? That button because really work into it is the idea because you're really selling the point and explaining and answering the why, why you should. But anyway, you're right, <laughs> you could go and talk a um, longer on this part but yes i agree absolutely yeah so um so a lot of a lot of good insight right there a lot of, a lot of little uh nuggets of gold nuggets so, of um yeah. I, I i know you got other things to do uh, sure. with your life Tariq. um because obviously anyone that works in it or cyber is a busy person uh contrary to what college and stuff might teach you yeah. um so let's just talk about emerging trends real quick like what what are some of the emerging trends that are going on right now or that you foresee going on in the future that, that you think are going to really impact in some way how security culture, you know, come, comes into play for organizations? I know that's kind of a, a weird question, so feel free to ask for clarity, but really like what are yeah. emerging trends that you think are going to have that impact around security culture for organizations and maybe why building that security culture is so important with some of these emerging trends? Right. And I think one of the things, you know, if you really think about um, your chat GPT that came out February, March time, roughly seven, eight months old, uh, you have a lot of people experimenting with it. Um, people who are technical and non-technical experimenting with it, trying to understand how to use it, what to do it. So um, as an IT professional and a security professional, uh, what the good thing you can do is get ahead of it and really give a class 
and saying, hey, this is how you should use it. Because what you're doing by um, teaching or explaining and sharing this information, they will use it the right way within your organization. Because you're, um, if you make your own employees and organization aware of what is good, what is bad, uh, again, it, again, this you know, whole conversation about security culture and, and security it comes back to education, making relatable, all those things. But if you get ahead of this and help people use AI, that will really help them and they will not accidentally do things that could in turn harm. I know I remember reading not too long ago, somebody um put a board of directors meeting, they wanted to reword it or something along those lines. And next thing you know, that memo got leaked because they had uploaded that information and asking chat GPT to uh, reformat it or something along those lines. But if you educate that uh, to your own employees, how to do it, what to, you can put out there, what not to, things of that nature, that will help you become stronger. And I think the uh, smarter people or people who are really, you know, wanting to get into or, or do things, uh, AI is helping them how to write a code, how to create a malware, or what code they should write. All those things are there. And it has made it a little bit easier. Um, and I think we um, really coming back to answering that question of the importance of the security culture, right? If things are getting easier out there uh, to attack, to harm, I mean, even if it is somebody who's trying to figure out and test it, hey, can I do this and accidentally attacks your organization? Uh, that's something I think as an organization, we need to be aware of what's out there. Again, comes back to the awareness, becoming a partner, making the CEO of the company um, biggest, your partner in it, educating them, saying, hey, I'm looking, seeing this trend, AI is being used to develop malware. AI is being used to make attacks AI is being used. So what this does is really builds and makes everybody aware. And and really the next question will be from your CEOs and, and higher ups is what do we do? How do we protect it? You brought a potential problem to us, help us solve it, right? So really what this does is as soon as you have it, you're implementing that culture, uh, culture, making them aware, making, and this really has a great buy-in in many ways. And they will not treat they again i say rest of the company and the rest of the team members not that you know again i don't want to separate them out from yourself because you're part of the team but the other departments other uh, members of the team will look at you as you are really concerned about the company and you are staying ahead of the threats you're staying ahead of it so ai being the way it's evolving and you are getting ahead of it in educating your making that part of your organization, even teaching how to use it. So all these things come back into the play of how to build that culture. Um, even though, I mean, I, I want to focus on the security culture more than I think security, if, you, if I could replace that word, uh, let me call it as a resilient uh, culture in the organization, right? What the next steps that are happening with it is your company's agile. Your organization is agile. They're adapting. Uh, as you teach, as you explain, as you give the why, uh, we should care. And that really helps a cult, uh, organization be ready to face. It's it's like I uh, 
we use this example often is, uh, you know, winter season is coming, people are taking flu shots, um, we're bound to get sick, somebody may get sick, somebody may not get sick. But if you are aware of what kind of sickness is out there, uh, are have you increased or have you started working out more? Uh, are you eating healthier? Are you taking your vitamins? If you fall sick, you may not be in bed for five days or seven days, you may be in bed for two days. And no different for organization who is preparing constantly for what's out there. And it's our job as an IT professional to simplify it, educate the organization, help be agile, adapt, and, and be resilient. And, and that really comes back to us building a security culture, a resilient culture for organization to move forward and really be successful and have the vision that we have for the company. So I guess summarizing it, the really trends and I really focus and think about it is really the AI has really kicked it up a notch in some ways on um, adversaries to uh, attack and gain uh, access um, and do harm. And if we are able to educate, if we're able to make our organization aware of those threats, hence that kind of builds into building that culture that is uh, security focused, resilient, and being agile um, to pivot as it needed and how to recover from it. So Tariq, any final thoughts or advice for either organizations out there or for the cybersecurity job seekers out there? Here's a thought, and I'd be curious to get your feedback on it. And this is something that I've been thinking more about, right? It's a job seekers and the organizations as well. Um, for the job seekers, um, I would say, think of it as, you know, you're, you're wanting to get into cybersecurity. The, I want to really lay out saying, first understand that IT as an information technology is not cybersecurity or cyber resilience, uh, and cybersecurity doesn't mean cyber resilience. It's really the information technology is the resilience because you have the information on technology, you are supporting it, you are agile uh, based on the threats that are coming in. Even as a simple help desk person who is taking care of small things, it, it may not register as much, but you are very agile because one ticket to the next, it is changing and you're adjusting, adapting. And as a person in the IT field, you are really focused on making things work, making things resilient for an organization. If you see vulnerabilities, you are fixing it. So in some ways for a cybersecurity professional or somebody who's getting into it, I would say use as information technology, even the help desk is not a bad thing. That's where you experience a lot of um, environments, uh, a lot of different problems, and you can really see what are the vulnerabilities, why it's happening and fix it. And that's a really great step for them to get into. Um, in some ways, that's kind of my thought process on it um, because some people don't like the idea of working in help desk. But if you work in the help desk, you have a great uh, picture on network servers, firewalls, um, all, all the various different things, and they can pick the software, um, and then they can go into it. But that's really for anybody getting into the security. Um, I would say um, it's okay to start in help desk, um, get a better understanding of the environments, 
and move forward. And then really information technology really is building cyber resilience is what I would kind of translate that. Um, uh, so really what you're looking for is organization to be resilient in the cyber world and, and the CEOs and, and company owners and all uh, anybody who are in the C-suite decision makers, think of it as just as your resiliency for your organization. How do you make it in the cyber world? Because you are, regardless you like it or not, we live in a digital world. We just need to learn how to behave, how to protect, how to um, be agile in the digital world. And, and doing so, it's, it's not a um, complicated thing. You have a five-year-old who figures out how to pull up their videos on YouTube on a tablet or a phone. So it's not that hard. Just in some ways, I'd say get out of your own way um, and give technology a chance for you to understand. Therefore, you will then in turn make your own organization resilient and uh, secure um, and be ready for anything that may happen to bounce back. I know that was a lot. I know you just asked for a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you brought up some good points. Number one is if you're if you're older and you're struggling with tech, just give it to a kid. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, number two, especially if they're not supposed to have access to it. Yeah. Uh, the, but but I think you I think you alluded to there's a couple of things I want to unpack there around the the IT help desk stuff. So number one, I think as as a culture overall, people because of social media because of and, and again, I say this with all the love in the world, because of social media, because of boot camps, because of colleges, universities, et cetera, there's this push towards come from nothing and go right into like an advanced cybersecurity yeah. you know, job. And there's especially, there's a douchebag on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He's probably a nice guy. I don't know him personally. He's got a good training program, but I call him a douchebag because he lies to people and says in 24 hours, you can get a six figure cybersecurity job with no experience. That's yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I mean, everyone knows, like when I bring it up, people are like, oh, I know who that is. Okay, yeah, exactly. Right. I know people have gone through his training, but that's for people like yourself that already have IT experience. I think as a culture, my point here is as a culture, we've gotten away with like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do IT. I just want to go straight into a cybersecurity. I just got to say cybersecurity job title. I think another thing with that is people are working in IT roles as a job title is IT, but they're literally doing like infrastructure security. And oh, no. they're, they're doing security assessments, pen testing, vulnerability assessments. They're doing all these things that are quote unquote cybersecurity but they just don't have the sexy job title and they're like frustrated. And it's like, dude, you're already working or do that. Yeah. However you gender identify, we don't really care on this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, you are you and we love you for you, but like, it's like, you're already working in, in a job, but you just don't have the job title. So if you want the job title, either get a different job or next time it's raise time and you're not getting the raise you want just say, Hey, are you willing to change the job title and add, you know, security in there, whatever you wanted to say, sure. um, which a lot of organizations, especially if they're smaller orgs, they're willing to do that for you. So something else I want to unpack though, around the help desk, uh, well, a couple more things. Number one, boot camps, their placement rates, 99% of that is help desk rules. They're putting people yeah. in IT jobs. They're not putting them in a cybersecurity job. So be mindful of that before you go pay somebody 20 grand for a boot camp when you could just go pay for yourself to get A plus and net plus and security plus and CCNA and, and you could get an IT help desk job. I mean, really you only need one of those to get a help desk job. Um, that's one thing to keep in mind, uh, FYI, PSA announcement there. But the other thing to keep in mind, I think, is that w- what you were saying, Tariq, is it's good to build the fundamentals. Like the, the, the I see people working SOC analyst jobs and they, they're like tier level, you know, level two, tier two, 
they don't understand operating systems. I'm like, how the how the heck? I'm trying not to curse in the podcast, but it's my podcast. I'll do it a lot. But like, how how can you how the heck can you secure something and you don't understand it? Yeah. Like, what have you been doing all this? You've been doing investigations and you don't understand how you don't understand the Windows file system. What you know, like so. Uh, yes, I yes, you can get a cybersecurity <laughs> job in like GRC or or even as a SOC analyst and stuff without really understanding the the fundamentals, but should you, right? Is yeah. a question I would pose to people out there that are listening to this. Like, should you do that? Or should you, like I came, you know, I came from a networking job into doing more security stuff and that led into, you know, the, the quote unquote cybersecurity stuff. Sure. But, you know, it, it's, even if you do go from like zero to hero or whatever, as, as a bootcamp would claim you can do, um, you still need to master the craft, like yeah. understand the IT stuff, because how can you really, really secure it? How can you even pen test against it if you don't understand an operating system? Like, I'm sorry, you're not a good pen tester. If you if you can, if you don't understand things, how can you as a pen tester in your head figure out ways to bypass things? Like, you, sure. like yeah, you can be junior level. Sure, for sure. 100%, absolutely. But when it's time to be intermediate and senior level and you're trying to move up in your career, you, you got to think outside the box. You can't just spin up the tools in Kali Linux and hope for the best. Like you, yeah. you know, and yeah. to be an advanced pen tester, in my personal opinion, and I'm, I know someone's going to send me a LinkedIn message with a complaint, but <laughs> it's just what it happens every time I share my opinion, but <laughs> you cannot be an advanced pen tester without understanding at least one scripting, like Python or something, Sure, really Python, PowerShell, Bash, you know, scripting, but really understanding a programming language, like, you know, C++, I mean, yeah. whatever you want to, you know, Golang or so, you know, whatever you want to do these days. Um, and then also understanding operating systems, like having a, and, and networking, man, like there's people no. that don't understand the fundamentals of networking. I, <laughs> I, I heard the, I heard the gasp there. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. But like, like, so going to your point of like, there's nothing wrong with starting an IT. I really recommend. And if you're worried about help desk, which let's be real, you're not going to make a lot of money in a help desk, but if you're worried about finances, go get like your CCNA, get into yeah. networking. Definitely. I mean, you know, there's, there's people, you know, you make, I mean, you make decent money in networking and as you evolve your career, obviously you can get over six figures and stuff. And, um, and with that, I mean, you can, a lot of companies will let you work multiple jobs because they don't want to lose you. Cause if you're good at yeah. networking, like Definitely. you can work a second job and be like, look, you know, I I'll work this, I'll work the night shift, but I've got a daytime job but I really want to work this. And with your daytime job, you say, look, I don't want to leave, but I want to take this other job too. Right. I can balance it. Like if it becomes a problem, you know, I'll drop the other job or whatever, but I can sure. balance. I know people doing that and people like in less than a year are tucking away like multi six figures in the bank account. Yeah. So like, if you're worried about money right now, which I had someone recently, I think it maybe LinkedIn or some, somebody reach out and like, Oh, can I make a lot of money doing this? I, I did my standard response. Like if you're looking for a lot of money going to sales, like, you know, that's what yeah. You know, really absolutely not as a cyber person not as nope. an it person they don't pay you nothing um, for the work you put in at least yeah um but if you're if you're worried about money like these i i mean if you go on like job boards there's a lot of it jobs open that people aren't going for because they're trying to do this fancy cybersecurity, yeah. you know quote-unquote cybersecurity stuff and and even coming out of a boot camp or college like you're you're pretty well qualified for an entry-level it job based yeah. on you know i mean unless you really didn't do nothing i mean 
Yeah. And I some think people, like it. Yes, oh. yeah, some people, some people, you know, went through college and they're, you know, for whatever, but uh, if you put in the work in those things and you got like certs and stuff like that, you can qualify for those, those Definitely. entry IT yeah. jobs hands down right now. Yeah. No, and I think one, one quick thing that I'd, I'd um, add to it and I share this. Uh, so throughout when I was going to college and going through this, I worked in a lot of restaurants and I use this example as a restaurant is, um, and this idea and impression uh, cyber uh, professionals who are getting into cybersecurity have this idea uh, that as soon as I get done, I'm going to make so much money. And I use this example saying, hey, you're you're really um, or wanting to become a chef. You go to a chef school and you go apply for a job. And one of the questions they're asking is, hey, um, have you really stood in front of a fryer for eight hours? How fast can you put out the dishes? Uh, how fast can you put out the appetizers, right? Um, how, uh, what's your speed? Where are you comfortable? Are you comfortable on the grill, on the fryer, whatever it is, right? Um, then you, your answer is, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never stood in front of a fryer or a grill for eight hours. Right? No different in, in security, uh, cybersecurity professionals is, I don't know the basics when you came back and said, you know, the basics part. If you work in help desk, I think by far starting in help desk is an amazing place to start because you get exposed to so much. Uh, you understand how things are done and you can, after that really, uh, again, not to discredit the education you've had. Um, I think stepping stone, first step, get into help desk. You get to feel for what are the um, uh, misconfigurations that you may come across. And you could say, let me help you. And that is really your resume builder saying, I was, I was at a help desk and I actually went in and corrected the firewall. They had it misconfigured. They had server that was misconfigured. They had the cloud um, applications that was misconfigured, right? So you're really building bullet points. And you could say in one year, I made this organization secure. Now I need the job of a title with cyber professionals but that's just you know i i try to educate that and it's just harder for the students who are so anxious to get in and have the cyber title of cyber something next to that um, my approach is it's okay get get something started and build your practical experience and then you will get that job just be patient for a little bit but Sorry, I, I think this conversation is something I can go on and on on. <laughs> yeah, we, we could probably hold a whole, a whole episode on that. But I just I just want to add in, you know, real quickly. I think you bring up a couple of good points, or at least you, you allude to them, is is number one, it's far easier to get one of these help desk jobs or sysadmin or you know, network mm -hmm. junior network engineer or whatever. It's far easier to get one of those coming straight out of like a boot camp or college get one of those. And then while you're working that to Tariq's point, you're gaining experience. Plus you can still be applying for all these cyber jobs that are taking most people one to two years, if not longer to actually get. So that way you can like actually, you know, do this crazy thing called like pay your bills, you know, support your family, you know, feed the kids, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but the other thing you, you alluded to earlier, and, and that was the other thing I, I forgot to bring up as I was, you know, ranting about boot camps and stuff um, is the connection to the real world of what you're learning. So help desk, as Tariq mentioned, helps you understand, okay, these are some of the common vulnerabilities and now you can actually speak to that. But even if you don't do a help desk, if you totally ignore our advice, if you don't do an IT job, you know, sysadmin, again, network engineer, network admin, whatever. If you don't go for one of those and you're like, whatever, those guys are idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. At least 
take what you're learning and figure out how to apply it to the real world. An easy way to do that is to think of a an area of cyber, like let's just say identity access management, Google search, identity access management providers, look at those companies and look at their case studies. And now you've got real examples that you can share like in an interview of how you would apply something and you could say, yeah, I would apply, you know, um, let's just say it's not IAM tool, but CrowdStack Falcon for for endpoint management. So here's how I would apply CrowdStrike's, you know, tool for endpoint management in this scenario. If I, if it was, you know, a healthcare company with what, with these problems, and you literally could just take that from their case studies that they post on their website for free. And you just speak to that in an interview or on your resume or on social media or all of the above. And now you're someone that I'm looking at like, okay, well, this, this, you know, again, we're not binary gender identification. I'm just going to an example here, but you know, this woman is able to connect the dots from what she's learned in college to the real world. Let me bring her in for an interview. Whereas let's say like Tariq was just starting out and he didn't do that. He was just like, I've got a bachelor's degree from this place and I've got these certs. Uh, you know, me personally, I'm leaning towards a person that can, that can connect the dots because there's someone that can, there's someone that I can bring in right away. And they've got the mindset I'm looking for to where I can send them through some training or I can put them in different projects and they can connect the dots. That's who I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone with 57 certs or 27 college degrees or, you know, whatever these job descriptions these days are asking for. So, I mean, that's, I think you alluded to that a couple of times with your answer. And I think that's an important point is if you can connect the dots, the more you can show people, especially hiring managers and to Tariq's point earlier about going to networking events, the more you can show people you can connect the dots, the much more valuable you are and the much more places I can plug you in across the organization and projects and things like that. And that means you're much more likely to get hired. You're much more likely to get a a really good compensation package. And if you're looking to leave, I'm much more likely to try to do whatever I can to keep you at my company because you're that person can, that can connect the dots and solve problems for us. Absolutely. I think you, you actually worded it much better than I did, but really that's critical connecting the dots, I think, in, in many ways. Connecting the dots really sets you apart. How can you connect and relate um, and solve that problem? Uh, um, again, I think as much as you have been in the um, in this industry, you're able to better summarize what I was saying. And, and I love that word, connecting the dots and solving the problem and, and re- really comes back to how did you make that organization stronger? How did you make that uh, organization better from the time you walked into where you are now? So yeah, really, I love that connecting the dots in IT, very important. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're looking to secure your business better or build up your cybersecurity career, then check us out over at cyberlife.tv. That's C-Y-B-E-R-L-I-F-E dot T-V.